Hello and welcome to Heather Flood's podcast. I am the author of Snowware, a children's adventure story. This is episode five. Finney was determined to adjust to all the new information rather than waste any more time sitting around open-mouthed. He hadn't forgotten about his urgent desire to use the telephone. Another question, how come you speak English here? I mean, it's not exactly the native tongue of, well, what country are we in? To answer your last question first, Sal replied, parts of our empire are beneath Italy, others beneath Switzerland. As for speaking English, it's for your benefit. Perhaps you'd prefer another tongue. At least if we spoke in French, Vinny answered ruefully, I'd manage to get some practicing done before I go... He saw Sal's expression altering. Home? Vinny knew from the look on Sal's face that going home was not a certainty. Sal held the scroll up again. Your mission is to decipher the riddle. Here we go again, riddle piddle. Vinny was beside himself with rage. Tell me for once and for all how I can get home. This is the only way. And I thank you to show this document more respect. Why, pray, should I? Vinnie was slipping between personalities, the well-mannered one trying hard to resurface. Because Snowware is under dire threat, skiers' lives are daily put at risk by that reckless band. Here Sal lowered his voice almost to a whisper. The snowboarders. Right. All of this, his capture, his luxury accommodation, the studio, it was all in aid of a few snowboarders. Snowboarders, why, Vinny could easily have become one of those. When he thought about it, the only reason he was a skier rather than a snowboarder was because that was the tuition his school had arranged. They have no respect. Sal appeared to be trembling, although his pale face and steady blue gaze were unchanged. You must understand... Snowboarders do not stick to the marked pistes. They ignore weather warnings. They are the anarchists of the slopes. This is where I come in? Yes, only a young mortal of high intelligence can possibly decipher the coded message. In the middle of the floor of his studio, or prison, Vinnie hadn't decided yet what to call it, was a black rubber pimple reminding him of nothing so much as the toilet flush on board a train. He stepped hard on this, and the next written message appeared. Princess Bella Clava inherited the snowball from her mother, Queen Stella Knight. Only members of that illustrious family are capable of looking into the bowl's icy depths and seeing the future of Snowware. This must be the snowball S. Lalom had referred to in his office yesterday. The one that had been used to spy on him, Vinny shivered. What did the ball know about him? Could the princess see what was to happen to him next? If the ball was so good, what need was there for him? They could surely tell whether or not he was going to solve the riddle. The next part of the message provided the explanation. The snowball can answer all queries unless the question involves snowboarders. These menaces seem to possess the capability to blank out the ball's powers. Why not just melt the blooming snow? Vinnie burst out. Without snow, there'd be no snowboarders. 
There would also be no skiers when he mentally kicked himself. Where was his brain? Once Southie had gone, Vinny had no way of knowing how many more hours he remained in his cell studio. It was long enough for him to regret parting with his lunge. He worked out that he'd have to get used to telling the time according to the strength of his hunger pangs. On the computer, Vinny tried randomly jumbling the words of the riddle to see if they might give him inspiration, but boulders ride wings and gentle flight of chasms made no more sense to him than the original had done. He jumbled the letters, too. He did everything except stand on his head and view the scroll upside down. He even used the computer's thesaurus to substitute new words with similar meanings, getting cleft for chasm and shriek for scream. Then he collapsed in his swivel chair, spun it a few times, and kicked crossly at the snow that covered the floor until he had scuffed it into a billowing mess. Resting his chin on his hands, he drooped despairingly onto the nearest work surface and sighed deeply. He had to get out of here. When he awoke, his head was pounding. He had a disturbing few moments, recalling where he was. The figures beyond the ice walls were blurrier than ever. He waited for his eyes to focus, but it was no use. Bundled up, coloured shapes briskly crossed his line of vision. His headache worsened. Then the outline of a shape different from the rest began to assemble itself on the other side of the ice. One moment it was a white and black mass, the shape of a bullet standing on end. The next it had startlingly transformed itself into a penguin on skis. And it was heading straight for the wall. Just when collision seemed inevitable, one of the big ice blocks which made up the wall rose like a portcullis, creating an opening. Through it glided the penguin. The automatic door then lowered itself behind the new arrival, and Vinny, who in his fright had scrambled on top of the work surface, stared down at the sleek head and piercing eyes of the big Antarctic bird. Don't just don't tell me it speaks, was Vinny's silent prayer. Hello? It had a high-pitched, oily voice. Vinny simply stared. This was somehow a much weirder experience than meeting Southie for the first time. Perhaps it was because Southie was so short. The penguin was Vinny, guest of the giant variety. He'd worked out by now that he wasn't going to escape having a conversation with his uninvited guest. So he took the plunge with the most obvious question. Tell me, he said with a courteous little bow that only the new strange Vinny would make. What mountain are you named after? He tried to keep the sarcasm out of his voice. Mont Blanc? Yo, that's some psychic head you got on those shoulders. The now grinning penguin punched Vinny in the arm with a stiff, heavy wing. Vinny jumped back. My man, meet the one and only Monty White. Oh, charmed, I'm sure. Vinny held out his right hand wearily. He didn't know what sort of wing shake he would be greeted with. The sensation when it came was like an electric shock. But instead of volts shooting through him, it was stabbing cold that he felt. An ice shock. Vinny withdrew his hand, then clutched it and rubbed furiously to restore warmth. You're freezing. Right on. 
but only to warm-blooded species such as yourself. Vinny's one wish was not to have the penguin touch him again. His hand had begun to sting, as though burnt by the icy contact. He backed away slightly, though hoping not to appear rude. Monty spoke again. Hey, my man, my low temperature can actually do you some good. Monty had shuffled towards him now on his skis. Just give me five and I'll let you in on my secret. <laughs>